rescue the Death Star. That's operational. Dr. Ben. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Usual Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Star Wars The Old Republic, the Star Wars franchise, and geek and pop culture. I'm your host, Marshall, and with me this week, back again, is my co-host, Will. Say what's up, buddy. Um, what's up, buddy? <laughs> hey, the chat, the chat room can hear the bumpers. Uh, I made someone's day. What's up, Skeen? Um, I am sure I would be able to hear it if I actually unmuted the Twitch stream, but I don't want to be on delay again. Uh, but I am on remote location from the hotbed that is the central coast of california hotbed come on bro i grew up in the central valley it was 105 yesterday you can't fault me yeah no that's warm i hear you uh, and we're just sitting here enjoying our usual frosty beverages i hope you got something to uh cool you off there buddy in honor of the fact that i am closer to southern california i am drinking el corona oh i like that you said it ethnically i like that uh and i am you just mean totally insensitively uh, well, I think both our comments are insensitive, but we're just going to gloss over it. And I'm sitting here enjoying a from Bear Republic Brewing Company, uh, one of my favorite brewing companies. One of my favorite IPAs is from them, Racer 5. This is called Fastback Racer, and it's a double IPA, and it's like 10%. So I may pass on partway through the show. So here we are. Okay, so what's the difference between Fastback and Racer X? I don't know. There's Racer X. There's there, no. There's Racer Five. Racer X. It, Racer X is not a double IPA. It's just a little stronger and a little different. Uh, Fastback is their double, and um, it's 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 delicious. I had like two Racer Fives earlier too, so that might be a problem. So so you're on like your total. You're on like your fifth Racer Five. Sure. I don't do math well. <laughs> No, you don't. So before we get started, if you have comments or questions, you can find us at theusualpodcast.com, email us at theusualpodcast at gmail.com, and we're on Facebook, Google+, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. I am at Darth Pops on Twitter. Will is at I'm Will Griggs, and we're on iTunes, Stitch Radio, Google Play, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, give us positive ratings. Give us stars. Like us, share us, upvote us. I think we're on Reddit, too, some sometimes, so that's cool. Um, so anytime you see us, like us, and we like that. Um we do have the timestamps in the show notes. If you're not a SWOTOR fan, we don't have a ton of SWOTOR this week. Uh, definitely tune into last week's episode for all the SWOTOR fun. Um, but yeah, if you want to skip around, we have some really breaking Star Wars news we're going to cover this week. And of course, our usual pop culture. And chat room, thank you for being there. I know Devin's out there. Skeen's out there. Um, uh, RJR was out there and some other folks. So thank you, everybody who's out there. And we'll watch your chat. Participate. We'll, we'll talk about you if you do. So there we are. Do you have any housekeeping stuff to cover this week, man? You were gone last week. I, I was because I was traveling uh, about, uh, okay, it's normally about a seven and a half hour drive. It took me closer to 12 hours. It was like a parking lot from Santa Rosa to um, San Jose. It was ridiculous. No, I told you it was um, going to be crazy out there. Yeah, the, well, there was car accidents and there's other stuff going on. But um, yeah, so it's uh, um, it's interesting being down here. It's a little warm. I'm getting to see more movies. So you know, it's, I'm down here for the summer. So for the next, I don't know what, five or six episodes, uh, not counting our little detour to Comic Con. Yeah, we have more about that later. Uh, yeah, we do. Um, I said we should probably get into the community shoutouts. Yeah, we'll get into that here in just a second. I'm gonna play the bumper. But one of the things is just kind of weird. Not 
looking over and seeing your stupid face. So um, it's kind of cool and weird at the same time. So here we are. Uh, stupid face? Oh, I was just saying if you're listening. Okay, bumper time. I hate you so much. There it is. You want to fight? I'm ready. You do not have to stand against me. Instead, I will share all of this with you if you will only kneel. <laughs> this is good. All right, so community shoutouts. We're in the slow tour section. And Devin, you are correct. SoCal gets uh, crazy. I'm going down there in a couple weeks. Uh, I got a vacation with my in-laws. And oh, my God, the traffic I can do without. And the heat. The heat's fine. I'm used to it. But it's the traffic. Not getting anywhere, knowing where you're trying to go, it's difficult. But here we are. Community shout-outs. Star Wars The Old Republic time. Uh, just a shout-out to Mox and JT from last week. Thanks for filling in for old Will here. And it was a great episode. So if you didn't check it out, that was episode 102. We talked about... What we talked about Wonder Woman, Black Panther. Oh man, we talked about a ton of stuff. Um, it was a and a ton of slow tour news. So um, most of the slow tour stuff that I'm gonna talk about this week um, is basically piggybacking what we talked about last week. So if for some reason you missed it um, and you're not tuning in live, obviously, uh, definitely check out episode 102 with Mox and JT from Krillin Run Radio and Passionate Casual. Also, yeah, it was, it yeah was go awesome. ahead. Thank you for uh, stepping in for me last week and uh, picking a Max Slack because you know. I don't know. I'm the slacker. Yeah, someone's got to do it. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, man. So also, Bad Feeling Podcast is another community shout out from uh, some fellow influencers. Uh, Bad Feeling did an interview with Keith, uh, the new producer, and it was a damn good interview. I listened to it earlier today. Um, definitely check that out. He gives some really good insights on how they go about uh, figuring out how you know where they're going. Uh, from start to finish, uh, coordinating, uh, how they're going to roll things out and feedback and stuff like that. It was, it was a really, really cool interview. Definitely check that out. And that is, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Yeah. It must be, uh, must be nice having the uh, access to being right there in Austin. Well, yeah. If you just drive down the street and, and do an interview with a dev, <laughs> apparently it was kind of a running joke in, in the episode was, I guess they see Keith at Costco fairly often, which I thought was kind of fun. <laughs> I, I, I would find it funny if they're, uh, they're, they run into them getting uh, tacos with their Patreon fundage. Right? Exactly. It's like, where'd you get that money? Well, that's our patron money, you know? Uh, all right, man. And also, this just popped up, I think, today. Uh, Volk posted something on his, on his deal. And I have a link in the show notes to this. Um, he does awesome videos. But the thing he posted was everything about SOTOR patch 5.3. And there's a bunch of the videos he's made, um, all the news we know so far about the patch and stuff like that. So that's a really cool resource. And I have no doubt he will update that as news comes out. So definitely check that out for sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Vok also always puts out good quality uh, content. And it's, it's always good to see him uh, putting out stuff that's great for the community. Also, what helps is he's an awesome dude, which I like. Absolutely. Um, uh, off uh, thing here. Did you see the thing I just put in the show notes? Oh, yeah. You forgot. I forgot. Should we put that in Star Wars, though, huh? Uh, should we? Okay. I, uh, I no, we can, we, can, we can actually put it up here. Cause that, no, because they... No, no. This is perfect spot. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Thanks for reminding me. Um, way back in the day, I think it was... Uh, oh, this is weird. It's because I do the editing. Uh, I want to say episode... Uh, early episode, like... 30 something. I don't remember. I'll, I can find the number, but uh, yeah, we had, it was, it was well into our first few months. Yeah. I want to say it was maybe episode 17 or 18. Um, 
we had uh, Mike and Joa from the Cantina Cast, um, and if those names sound familiar, they used they started their podcast. Um, well, uh, I should say Mike started a podcast with a guy named Brian, I believe his name was, um, and they started the Cantina Cast about Sortor and and Star Wars and stuff like that. But then they rebranded it, went away for a while. Now Mike and Joe would do the Cantina Cast. They're very popular guys, and we've had them on our show before. Their listener base is very wide. Um, but I was listening to their show as I always do, and they were doing a little reminiscing. And it, what it came down to is they gave us a shout out as far as if you want to hear uh, Sotor news. So I thought that was kind of badass. So we got a little shout out yeah, on their really last nice show. Yeah, it was really nice uh, to to hear uh, hear from them. It was it was, uh, it was a good uh, heartwarming tale. <laughs> Yeah, it was. And, um, those guys are really, really awesome dudes. Um, hopefully we'll hook up with them again soon. Uh, Absolutely. and if you, they know, th- they know their ish. So, um, they really do some good deep dive into Star Wars content. Yeah. They do a lot of, um, you know, uh, character dissections and, um, and stuff like that. And they, and they break apart things that, uh, they're, they're really good guys. Um, they have a nice banter too, kind of like we do, which I think is why we all got along so well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. When we when all four of us were on the same uh, thing, it was kind of funny. We were making fun of each other. It was, it was a lot of fun. Exactly. All right. So thanks for reminding me, Will. Uh, one more thing before we get out of community stuff is Extra Life is happening. By the time you listen to this, this event will have already passed. Um, but it is um, on the 20 – what is it? 24th. Yeah. Uh, from, we're doing extra life kickoff event, five hours, uh, through Wookiee Alliance and Unholy Alliance and Wookiee Mistake Guilds. Um, and we have a link in the show notes that most of the time, but, uh, don't forget if you missed that for some reason, cause if you're listening to this after the fact, you definitely did, um, extra life, uh, we'll be doing our main event on November 3rd, which is going to, or is it 4th? Uh, whatever the Saturday is. Uh, but I think our guild is doing 12 hours. I want to say, uh, we don't do the whole 24 anymore, but we have a lot of community events. Um, and it's a ton, a ton of fun. So it is in, in Jess and the, and the rest of everybody in the guild leaders are fantastic in getting the spearheaded and they, uh, they do a lot to raise money for the, uh, the children's charities. Exactly. All right, man, let's get to our weeks in game. What'd you do this week? Anything? Um, this week, not so much because, like I said, I, I told you off uh, off mic before we got started that um, opening up my laptop for this episode was the first time I'd opened it up since last Thursday. Um, oh, that's cool. So, You're slacking. Yeah, not even Swotor. I just haven't even been online, really. Um, but um, before that got started, I started doing the Nightlife event, and I got a whole two gold certificate. So, you know, there's oh. that. I'm holding it over, over your head. Um, it's not like I've gotten anything else, and I still haven't gotten the first, uh, uh, uh... The Rancor. Thank you. Why couldn't I think of Rancor? Um, yeah, I still haven't gotten that. Well, here's the deal. For you, buddy, if you just keep collecting those golden certificates, you can get a Rancor just right off that vendor there, and you'll be happy. Um, and on that note, uh... Oh, does that satisfy the achievement? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know, actually. Well, there's there there's an achievement using golden certificates to buy three decos on there, but I don't know if uh, that fulfills the achievement or not. But uh, you'd be the one to check it out, so do it. Um, yeah, and of course I did see that you got the pig. 
Yeah, no, I'm getting to that. I played the nightlife event until I was done with it, and I am now done with it. I got the speeder, um, as you heard on episode 102, and then a couple days later, I did get the Gamorrean Guard, and I went ahead and took initiative and just spent like four and a half million credits, got him in level 50, and now he's my friend. And I put him in some cool-ass armor, because you, uh, you can give him armor, which is badass, and yeah, he's my friend. And we're just going around hitting stuff in the face, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, right now the uh, the companion that I'm having for my main is the uh, the Athorian, and I I, oh, I like I, that I guy. Just, yeah, I love him. Is I just love having him around because the when I was a kid, my favorite um, action figure play with was the Athorian. So it was a uh, it's kind of a, it takes me back to my childhood. Ah, uh, uh, so uh, speaking of guild stuff, uh, a lot of us are prepping for extra life. I actually went ahead and canceled Wog for tomorrow night, uh, which we normally do before Extra Life. Uh, and so what we're going to do is just kind of get ready for the event Saturday. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So no Wog this week, but uh, we'll be back at it next week. And then I've got a couple weeks off for various vacations, but here we are. It's summertime. Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So cues. So let's get to some news. So there were some cues again. There were some issues. Um, I don't think there was a lot of downtime. Um, and it was the East Coast servers again. And they did confirm that it does have to do with the, um, with the new data centers and stuff too. Uh, and there was some people that, uh, dealt with some rollbacks, but, uh, I think it was very few people, uh, that it affected. So there's that. Yeah, that's good. I, I, like I said, I wasn't online. I did keep getting the, the, the messages through Twitter. That servers are up and down, up and down, and um, it was nice to see that it's not uh, Harbinger always the one being down now. Yes, it's not always, which is nice. So there's going to be a cartel market uh, item embargo coming up here, um, and what that means is basically items that have been on the GTN or the cartel market for a long time are going to be going away. Uh, somebody was, so one of the things they did too, and I didn't check the GTN, um, or the cartel market to confirm this, but, uh, they're bringing back those bronze, silver, and gold, um, packages. So, uh, so you can kind of get on there and if you just want some silver items, you can buy some packs in that. I think they're testing it again because it didn't go over very well the first time. That's my only guess. Yeah. It's. Well, for me, as somebody who doesn't really spend money in the cartel market as it is right now, I mean, I, I really probably should look into that more. Because um, right now, my, my cartel coins are just kind of adding up. I mean, not that I get that many anyways. But it's, uh, um, as somebody who's like I'm the achievement where I am, all that cartel market stuff is stuff I'm going to need for uh, achievements to fill out um, the collections. Well, yeah. And if you're after collections, you're going to need this stuff, too. So... Uh, that's definitely worth doing. There's some stuff in there too that's worth a whole lot on the GTN. Uh, there are certain items, so definitely check out. There's a ton of resources up out there to figure out what you need to sell and what you don't. So there was also an issue with uh, content, uh, no conquest rewards being given, and I don't, I didn't see a follow up to this, and I'm guessing they haven't resolved it yet. And I don't think it's very widespread, but I think some people are having some issues with conquest rewards. Um, and one of the things we don't, before I get to our discussion topic, one of the things we don't cover on this show technically, usually, are class changes. Uh, so we talked last week, uh, they posted the, uh, changes for the Merc. Uh, and so Mox and JT gave their, their two cents on that, which was pretty cool. And they posted their intended changes for Pyrotech, uh, sorry, Powertech, Plasmatech, and, um, 
corruption sorcerer and seer counselor. So uh, those links are in the show notes. Um, basically, it's what I like about these is their intent with them, and um, and there's significant nerfs I think coming with the sorcerers. Um, but again, um, I leave that to smarter people. <laughs> yeah, when it when it comes to nerfs and, and things being OP, it's like you know. Every character I own is a, is a DPS. I don't have any tanks, no no healers, and I just kind of like try to learn my rotations. And I don't really pay attention like damage per second or anything. So it's it's yeah, I'm a total noob when it comes to the the the, the analytics of stuff. It's gonna be okay. You're you're still you're still gonna to be fine. It, yeah, when it comes down to it, as long as they hit the ground and I'm still up, I'm okay with my DPS. Yeah, win win. Uh, so the other thing here has to do with the server merger thread. Uh, we talked about this two weeks ago, actually. And yeah, I remember that, that um, Muska was uh, putting it over into a, a single thread and everything. Yeah, so they opened it up. Keith actually commented on this, and he said, uh, someone's like, you haven't responded. And he basically said they've indicated, uh, someone indicated they haven't posted in the thread. Um, but as we stated in, the op- in opening the post, we're not ready to discuss anything yet. The purpose of the thread is to consolidate all the various posts about the topic. So, so it's all in one place. So don't get all worked up if they're not answering yet. Cause they, I don't think they were really ever going to, <laughs> at least well, not absolutely. yet. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, you know, foreign maintenance is one of those unsung jobs that people deride, but don't give credit to at all. So, you know, just chill. It's you know telling the internet to chill, dude, is like telling a fire not to burn. You know what I'm saying? That's a good point. Indeed. All right, discussion topics, dude. Um, there's a huge thread, and I kind of broke this down a little bit, and I'm gonna do a lot of sort of glossing, but kind of not at the same time. So the the main thing is there's a thread that opened up uh, last week. I believe we talked about it last week, but if not. Uh, there was a big post that said how our feedback works. Okay. Okay. And the bottom line is they wanted to let them, everybody know like, Hey, so basically the original post was something along the lines of, Hey, so let's say you guys are going in a direction, right? And your feedback says to go in this direction. Do you take that feedback into consideration? Um, do you double down? You know, how do you, how does this work? And so Eric came out and said, you know, Keith Charles and I have discussed this and we want to make sure we're really thorough in giving you a full picture on how the feedback is gathered, um, where it's gathered from and all that and who does it. So he said, tomorrow, all three of us, Keith Charles and myself, will make a post highlighting their jobs, excuse me, in relation to this. So I thought this was pretty cool. So what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it kind of delineates what the, what the community team does and like, because as it is, we kind of like just vent everything to Musco and this will actually help clarify who we to get the most bang for a buck in our, in our discussion. Exactly. So, um, Oh, real quick, this is in the wrong spot, but there was also a bug with 246 crafted relics. Um, I guess they were proccing the same as the ones below it. So they're looking into that. Um, and then Musco, uh, popped on and he put his feedback post up. Um, and I thought his was kind of nice because it, it really just basically outlines what, his job is, which I thought was pretty cool. Let me yeah, let me open this up here. Idea. I mean, it never you know, even if it's for yourself, it's never a bad idea to kind of lay out exactly what your responsibilities are. So you, you know, the your consumer who is us for him knows exactly what to expect, but he also knows what to expect from the consumer on what their reactions are going to be. 
Well, and then what it comes down to is when he's responding in a certain way, people were like, why won't you tell us? And he's like, dude, do you see what my job is? Like, it's not that really. So what he says um, is his role as community manager is to understand the player feedback. Um, and basically, uh, he participates in a fair amount of business design and leadership meetings, um, but basically as a litmus test for the players. So what he says is, um, will the players like the changes, not like the changes, where would the changes be, uh, et cetera. And then he says, with that as a backdrop, he starts to talk about how he gathers data. So really where he gets stuff is the official forums and the Sortor subreddit. Um, and he treats those kind of similarly. Um, and this has everything to do with, um, uh, where, where's the thing? What did he say? Oh, uh, he, re- they read them every day. Um, and they try to take that into consideration. And then of course, social media, um, and then the influencers, which I thought was pretty cool. So I'm going to spend a couple seconds on this because we're influencers. He says, as many of you know, we have a collection of content creators who are part of our influencer program and we gather feedback from them, uh, through multiple means. Uh, they watch, read, listen to their content, whether it's a blog, live stream or podcast, um, and they try to catch as much of their great content as possible. And they also says, uh, second, I'm fairly constant communication with them through multiple means via email, Skype, Twitter, et cetera. And so, but we're under NDA. So we also have a unique perspective. So I thought that was kind of cool that he mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it also kind of, it, it doesn't, um, put us as a, as a better range of information, but because we might be getting more information than the average player, um, it's, it's just maybe a more targeted bit of information that he's getting from us. Yeah. It's kind of somewhere in the middle, which is kind of nice. We have a little more access than most players, but we don't have, you know, we're limited where we can go, but they are getting something from us that's specific to our game, our play styles and the content we're putting out, which I think is pretty cool. Exactly. Um, so also focus groups is, is the last thing he has on here and he's got, they've got focus groups for all kinds of different things, which is cool. So, um, he says there's other places like the PTS and data and analytics and stuff too, but he just was trying to give a perspective on where he gets information. I think, I think it's important. And I, and part of what came from that interview from bad feeling, which I thought was really cool is, is key saying, yeah, we are listening and our job our our goal right now is to make sure that that feedback and that communication level is at a higher level than it's ever been. And I, I honestly, in posts like this, this is absolutely what's what they're doing. And, and I think they're succeeding personally. Yeah. And this is actually, you know, there's, there's something to the underlying nature of that comment. Um, especially when it comes to people that are clamoring for certain content, i.e. operations, where it just shows that the least effective way that you can try to get new content in that way is to boycott or unsub and just not play until they get that new content. Because if they're looking at analytics and gameplay, the best thing you can do is just make sure that your your ops group runs its weekly ops or bi-weekly ops or whatever it does. Make sure you keep playing that content, and they're going to be showing in the gameplay numbers that that is where, uh, that where customers are going. So they're, of course, going to follow the money. And what else is really important too is the why. Don't just say I'm quitting because you guys suck. Tell us why. Tell them why. Um, and also say, you know, and ask, put the questions in there and, and put your feedback in there in a constructive way so that they can get the most out of it. So that's important. Um, Absolutely. so Keith's, uh, Keith's post is next. And oh my God, this is, this is something else. Uh, <laughs> 
I'll gloss through this a little bit. I have the link in the show notes, obviously. And he says, um, so he was reading what Eric and Charles were saying. And he says, Eric already explained where we get the feedback from and how we use it. Uh, so let me provide some perspective on what we, what I look for and what's important to me. So he says, and these bullet points is all, really all I'm going to leave it at. Because if you're trying to make a change in this game right now and you're frustrated with where the game is, uh, this is, this is where you need to be. So he's saying he's looking for specific ideas about gameplay improvements, ideas on how we can enhance existing game features, conversations about gearing class balance, details about likes and dislikes about an area or type of content, uh, how we can improve communication, provide better insight. Kudos for the team when they do something right, because God forbid that you do that. That was me, not him. Um, but constructive criticism when we don't think, do things right. Um, and he says, note, I tend to read everything while disregarding rants and dumping on dev team as I don't find it helpful. And I think that comment is important because one of the things he said in that interview with Bad Feeling was um, he's worried with this increase in communication Um because it's not just them that are going to start talking. Some of the other devs are going to start talking. What they don't want is people to start attacking certain devs because the PvP, you know, dev starts talking again because that used to be a thing back in the day. And then he gets attacked for various PvP issues, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. That's why, I mean, as I was talking earlier about, you know, don't unsub and don't, you know, boycott or whatever because it's totally unproductive unless you're communicating about it. But the, the important thing is to communicate, but not only do that, but to communicate effectively and professionally. Yeah. And keeping it civil. I think that's important. Um, Absolutely. By the way, everybody, this is discus. Hello. What's up kitty. All right. So uh, that's kind of Keith's thing. He also kind of goes on and he says he doesn't have the time to read everything, obviously to be realistic. Um, but he has other people that, uh, email him and message him through various other sources that will help um, figure out where he needs to be. So I think that's important. I'm I'm just glad they're kind of opening the curtain a little bit after five and a half years. You know, I think this is good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of like that, it's like, imagine, you know, Swift War is a big old ship and they are the, um, the rudder keeping everything in line. <laughs> right. We're kind of the person steering the rudder, though. It's like they'll go where we want them to go as long as we communicate and tell them effectively without jerking them off course. Exactly. So uh, speaking of, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, there was another post, and I just have the link in here. Um, the the person who originally posted this, I guess, was kind of upset, and the main the reason forum? being no way crazy, right? But the main reason he had three specific things he wanted touched on, um, and I have the link in the show notes to this, but really. Um, they had to be a little vague with some of these answers. So one, I'm just going to throw this one thing out here. He says, one of the questions was, where along the journey is the point of no return? Is it before the bus starts moving, before the bus approaches the corner, before the cliff, as you drive off the cliff, or when you crash? And, of course, uh, Keith's response is, timing is everything. Um, and so with Galactic Command, is a perfect example. It was so integral to everything with Knights of the Eternal Throne that they were not in a position to make changes everyone requested, which makes sense. But what they've been trying to do is going forward with every patch since is to make changes that people were into. So I think that's important. All right, man. Let's, uh, we're almost out of here. Cool. The one last thing, uh, was, uh, Charles Boyd, dude, on story feedback. And again, this is the third, uh, third of the posts. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Every time we talk about story, 
it goes back to when you were working for um, Tor Wars, and you right. interviewed me when we were in beta, and I kept saying that the number one thing that draws me in is stories. So whenever they're talking about new story content, I, I always my ears prick up. Exactly, and um, so all the the other two guys covered everything else. So Boyd comes in and talks about story, and he says. Um, he he says this is a great chance to talk about story and how folks feedback is integrated. And he says let's use Kotfi as uh at the monthly chapters in Kota as an example. It says the original plan was that there'd be a trilogy of Knights of Expansions, right? Uh with Valkorian okay, as in, with Valkorian being the Eternal Empire Emperor, uh Internal Empire, uh with episodic chapters between them. Um uh, but the feedback was that the story was dragged out. Um, and that there weren't companions coming back. Um, the companion focused chapters were not well received. Uh, he says players felt there weren't enough choices and some folks didn't like the core premise. Okay. And then, so what they did as a result of that feedback, he says, so they compressed the story, um, so that it would comp- be completed instead of the trilogy. It was completed at, uh, Knights of the Eternal Throne, obviously. The the later monthly chapters were modified to focus on the core storyline. And then he said the writers constructed the storyline of Kota specifically to offer bigger choices so it would pay off because that's the direct feedback. And right. what had to go by the wayside, which he's pretty bummed at, is companions, right? So the companions weren't there and only some yeah, came back, I mean, let, you know? The fewer the chapters, the fewer the opportunities to, introduce, uh, to reintroduce them. Right. So they're still working on that. But again, that's a direct correlation to the feedback from uh, Coffee. It's like, well, we don't like this, this and this. OK, so we're going to do this, this and this. We'll make these changes. So they are doing it, uh, whether people understand it or not. And I think that all these posts, the the interview uh, that Bad Feeling had with Keith and stuff is really uh, illustrating this uh, well. Yeah, and, and with this whole thing with Boyd, the, the big thing to, to recognize is, yeah, get your feedback out there. And, yeah, even if they do respond to it, it might affect something else because everything is connected. So, yeah. you know, you may not have liked the, the rollout of the story, but it affected your, your companion releases. So, you know, you can't have best of both worlds. You know, you kind of have to realize that things change. I agree, dude. All right, man. So the last, very last post, which I'm not going to talk about is all at all is class changes uh basically nerf versus buff since we don't really talk about class changes eric put a nice post in here um that was talking about you know basically people saying well rather than uh you know nerf a class why don't you bring everybody else up and he does a really good job of explaining why that wouldn't work um so definitely check that post out having everybody op did not would not work out <laughs> well the the interesting part about that is it wouldn't work because everything in the game is balanced around it so what happens if PVE? So if you have all the classes balanced to do a certain damage to a certain boss in a time frame, and you bring everybody up, then that becomes, you know, such an easier piece of content than they intended. So, which means that it doesn't take them as long to do it, which means that they don't have the ready-made content on a specific schedule. Exactly. So, uh, it's a whole host of problems, and I and I like that that they're addressing all this stuff, man. The communication is great, and so whether people are happy with it or not, um, the increase in communication is is huge. So um, I'm glad to have you back, man, this week and and touch base with you on slow tour stuff. But uh, we have some Star Wars drama. Should we get to that? Yeah, let's get into the let's get into the wars from the stars. Oh, nice. I was raised to do one thing. I've got nothing to fight for. 
get you started. All right. So we have a couple discussion topics off the top before we get into the heavy drama. Uh, on a, you know, as we start this segment and sometimes the next segment, which we did definitely last week with Adam West passing, um, we're kind of revisiting Carrie Fisher's, um, passing. Uh, you saw this, right? I'm guessing. Actually, I did not. When you, when I was reading the show notes, I was like, oh. Interesting. So I haven't read the read the article. So well, it's it's yeah. Go ahead and pop it open and and check it out. Um, it, it's interesting because the autopsy results came out for Carrie Fisher, and I'm not sure. Uh, I guess I mean this is standard fare, obviously. But um, the bummer part about it, obviously, is that they found drugs in her system, which is something she's been fighting. Obviously, addiction for a lot of her oh, life. Decades. So decades. yeah. So. Um, I don't know if we need to read exactly what was found in her system, but, um, some of the things that were found, I think obviously probably led to, um, to the heart attack, but. Well, I think it was also cumulative. I mean, you know, a lifetime of drug abuse is going to catch up with you. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like looking back when she, when she passed on and you look at some of her famous quotes or some of her famous movies or whatnot. It, you, you realize how centered they were around drug addiction because like she had that famous quote, you know, how many people can say that they smoked weed with Yoda. And so that's right. it all the way back to empire. And then, you know, you have, you know, the fact that she was dating uh, John Belushi when um, blues brothers came out. And so she was involved in that. And of course that was a heavy drug scene. And then she wrote postcards from the edge, which is about her life with her mother, uh, Debbie Reynolds. And it dealt with that and everything. And then even after after death, and her urn was made in the shape of a Prozac pill. Yeah, so this says, Carrie Fisher's brother Todd had the following statement following the announcement of the coroner's findings. We're not enlightened. There was nothing about that this that is enlightening. I, will, I would tell you from my perspective that there's certainly no news that Carrie did drugs. So in the end, um, basically, it, it just, it, it, I don't know. It is what it is. I saw a couple different things about it. I don't know what's what the final result is, honestly, but, um, yeah, you it, know, it's it, not news if she did drugs, right? I mean, honestly, no, absolutely. The, the way that I look at it is, is the way that the, the whole world and the community, uh, in particular embraced her after her death doesn't change the fact of what, of who and what she was. And this is just another facet of that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's go. Um, so this was just kind of fun because I thought it would offset the last one, uh, on Google earth, you can find the millennium Falcon, in I think it's London, I want to say. Oh, interesting. Which is funny because you've always been able to find the Millennium Falcon. Because there's a school somewhere, I want to say it's in Pennsylvania, that when you look at it from an aerial view, it's in the shape of the Millennium Falcon. Like the entire school's layout. Oh, that's funny. So it says, Jedi News UK recently discovered that a model of the Millennium Falcon can be seen on the back lot of Lacrosse long cross studio in surrey england via google earth uh it's a pretty darn cool picture actually and yeah that's it, awesome I'm, I'm, I'm gonna check it out i'm, I'm looking up that uh, that school really quick yeah and it says fans uh quickly hunted for the ship finding it on the northeast corner of uh long cross's lot while concealed at a street level because there's a bunch of sea containers around it uh bird's eye view uh you can clearly see what it is it's pretty darn cool i just thought that was neat. Uh, i'm gonna put a link in the show notes one second and real quick news, because this is important, and we're talking about um, Rogue One. Rogue One, um, a Star Wars story, is coming to Netflix, uh, which I think is pretty cool. And since you're doing something yeah. else, you obviously have no... Uh, hey, Lone Ranger, how you doing? No, that is awesome. Uh, one second. All right, so while you're doing that, 
because uh, I'm going to just move on before we get to our big piece of Star Wars news uh, this week. Uh, as far as books go for Star Wars novels, okay. there you go. go. Ahead. Oh, what is that? Click it. It's a link to it's part. It's Parkland High School in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And when you look at it from the sky, it's in the shape of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's adorable. Cool. Um, where are we at? Oh, books. So there's an excerpt. Uh, we talked last week. I talked with Mox and, J- Mox and JT because we were kind of gushing over the actress that plays the main character in the Battlefront game, Battlefront oh, 2 really? game. Um, yeah, she's gorgeous and awesome and a good actress and <laughs> she's gorgeous. Did I mention that? Um, and I have something in the show notes later about her as well, but, uh, there's a, a novel, obviously Inferno squad is linked to battlefront two. And there's an exclusive excerpt from the ex- Inferno, Inferno squad, which I haven't read yet. Um, cause I don't think I want to until I read the book, but, uh, it is available in the show notes if you want to check that out. So there we are. Yeah, really cool. And actually, I didn't put this in the show notes, but I do want to make sure everyone understands that the, the, the new run of Darth Vader is out through Marvel Comics, and they've released the first couple, and there's, they're dropping little things in, like, I think it was in, the, in issue one, they uh, they explained how red uh, lightsabers are designed, and then they just, in the one that's just coming out, they're introducing a new Jedi um, that is previously unknown. Um, that ends up having a major like conflict with Vader. So it should be pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome, dude. All right, man. Uh, let's just get to the drama. Should we? Yeah, we got some ish to this week. Yeah. So Han Solo movie drama. All right. So, uh, can I do this in a progression? Are you cool with that? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, there was some reports and this was a couple days ago, uh, that the directors for the film were reportedly fired, uh, from the Han Solo movie after clashing with Kathleen Kennedy. Okay. And, you know, people were like, well, they start speculating, of course. And these are the guys they've worked on Flash. Um, they've done, um, some really cool stuff. Um, but apparently they were let go. So that happened. Then, um, there, there were some reports that they were back meeting with the, uh, people from the Flash. And they're like, okay. So that's happening. Now, the main thing is, is there were some rumors for a day or so about who was going to replace them as a director of the Han Solo movie. Um, and there were a couple names, uh, thrown out there, but the top of the, the top of the, uh, I guess list was, uh, one Mr. Ron Howard. And it was confirmed, I think today or late yesterday, um, that he is going to be the new director of the Han Solo movie. Now, this is really interesting because a, uh, you know, a lot of people are like Ron Howard. This makes absolutely no sense, but when you delve into it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, Ron Howard. People don't understand his relationship with uh, Lucasfilm from the past. I mean, if they're going to go to somebody, and especially uh, Han Solo, the the film's already been under production. It's already been filming. Um, and from what I understand, and and I I don't want to pull. I could pull the direct quote out, but you know, it's kind of a cliche. You know, it's creative differences is what of what the the guys are saying. But that's really what it was. It was like we want the movie to go this way, and I'm guessing there was probably um, a little bit more humor maybe going along um, than maybe Kathleen Kennedy and the story group wanted, but. What it comes down to is they they couldn't come to a consensus, so they let him go. And these guys yeah, have a very yeah. clear vision, right? Yeah, you have to remember they they come from a uh, 
they they come from a comedy background. I mean, they did the Lego movies. They did uh, Twenty One Jump Street. 20, That's it. Yeah, and Twenty Two Jump Street. They also uh, are they were behind Son of Zorn on Fox this last year. They they they've done a lot of comedy. Yeah, so I'm wondering, I don't know if that's, I mean, I'm obviously, you know, projecting a little bit here, but whatever it was, it was enough for Kathleen Kennedy to be like, okay, well, we've done these movies. This is the direction we want to go. If you can't do it, we're going to get someone else who can do it. And, you know, and even in our little groups that we are on and online, not everybody is super stoked about, uh, about Ron Howard, but, I don't have an issue with Ron Howard at all. Uh, I love his movies, and he's a good director. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a few things that I that I that I think are definitely in his corner. And you were talking about his his longstanding relationship with with uh, George Lucas. That goes all the way back to the early '70s when he was in American Graffiti. Um, so, and he already has that connection with Harrison Ford because they were in in American Graffiti together. So it kind of ties in with Han Solo. But the big thing is, is like, you know, he's done major films like, you know, Apollo 13 and, and a beautiful mind and whatnot, but he's dealt with major, uh, um, major universes because he's the one in charge of the Robert Langdon universe with, uh, with Tom Hanks. And so, you know, he's dealt with that. He's, he knows how to deal with big, big blockbusters. You know how he, he, he definitely can handle talent because he's dealt with Tom Hanks. He's dealt with, uh, you know, Russell Crowe, he's dealt with Kevin Bacon, everybody under the sun has worked with him. Plus, on the very least, is this, I hope, is going to get Clint Howard into uh, the Han Solo movie because he's been in almost every single thing that his brother has done. So it's great. Yeah, man. And because I guess it was, um, I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts around this stuff, and I guess it was um, Kasdan and his son that that helped write this Um and was it Kazan? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. And so what I think is interesting is if they're swaying too far away from that, I mean, it just has to go the way that this, this juggernaut of a franchise has to go. You know, you, you can't just at this point, they'd be, it, it'd be really bad if they had this weird little blip, especially when it comes to Han Solo, considering what happened in episode seven, et cetera. Absolutely. This is this is where um, I kind of liken it to to how uh, Kevin um, uh, Kevin Feige runs Marvel. You know, right. it's it's um, he doesn't run it with an iron fist. It's more of, it's it's a velvet fist, right? He gets what he wants out of the people that he has beneath him, and if they don't do it, then they he gets the people that does. But he because of his overall vision, and Kathleen Kennedy has got to run it the same way. Or else it's going to run into Messi from DC. Agreed. Um, all right, man. So, I mean, how do you feel overall? Um, are you, you? I mean, obviously it's safe, right? I mean, it feels like most of it's shot already, anyway, right? Um, and then you get someone like Ron Howard who's going to put his, um, you know, his vision on it, um, and and obviously stay the course for Kathleen Kennedy uh, with that confidence. I think it's probably going to be okay. But uh, how do you feel overall? Yeah, it's definitely. I think it's definitely going to be okay. It's not going to be. It's it's not exactly the same sort of situation that we have with um, uh, with Joss Whedon taking over for Justice League because right. that was uh, with primary stuff done and then going into uh, principal photography done and going into reshoots. There's still well, they still have quite a bit of way to go in in principal photography, but it's more like when they were doing rewrites on Suicide Squad, 
You know what right, I mean? To right, right. Change the vibe. Yeah, change the tone, change the vibe, or keep it wherever they want it. Maybe um, that makes more sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think this is going to be. Um, it's it's almost it's it's almost I'd say in the middle of what's happened between Justice League and what happened with Fantastic Four and Do- Josh Trank. Real quick, this just came came to me. Do you feel like this was kind of inevitable eventually uh, with one of the um, Star Wars films uh, that we're going to have an issue like this? Uh, whether I mean, obviously, we've dealt with reshoots already with Rogue One and stuff like that, and that was just you know blown a little more out of proportion. But I mean, to have a major directorial change um, partway through filming a movie, I think. Uh, did you do you think this is just a well, matter I mean, of time? Well, I mean, it happens all throughout Hollywood. Um, and, and this goes back to kind of the same thing I'm talking about with uh, when we get to do with um, stuff being, like people being casted and everything like that, is like we have such more access to Hollywood insider stuff now than we did, you know, even five, ten years ago, right? Yeah. Um, it's always been the way that directors change behind the scenes until stuff gets done. Very rarely it doesn't it doesn't happen as much once pencil photography is done. But even Marvel had to deal with this because you, people forget that um, um, Patty Jenkins was originally on board to do Thor two and she backed out. Oh, that's um, right. Yep, yep. So you know, you know, of course, she went on to do you know Wonders of Wonder Woman. Um, but you know, just looking at the drama that's happened with um, uh, you know the Flash, yeah, for DC the DCEU that they're dealing with that and. You know, it's just, it happens. It's just, it's now getting more, uh, it's more entertainment. The behind the scenes stuff is more entertainment than it was before. Yeah, I hear you, man. All right, uh, let's move on to Last Jedi, dude. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just came out uh, just a few hours ago that it looks like uh, post-production um, is going to wrap in August, which is actually pretty early. Um, if you remember when we were talking about Rogue One, post-production didn't actually wrap until, I want to say it was September. Yeah, it was pretty um, early close. October, it was pretty darn close, um, and and that had to do with um, remember that they did have a, a directorial change on on Rogue One as well because uh, um, uh, they had originally um, Edgar Wright was originally on board to do it, right? And they brought it in. They brought in uh, Gareth Edwards, and that was something that changed before filming, but it pushes back deadlines, and you know, right. it just shows that. Uh, it seems like Ryan Johnson knows what he's doing, and it's going to wrap early. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's interesting because um, we that was one of the things we talked about last year, um, or not last year, uh, with the Force Awakens, I guess it was right, um, where it wrapped very close, kind of to when it was going to hit theaters, and we were kind of worried, you know. But you know, yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, it. A good rule of thumb, I think, is that, you know, we've already had the first major Jedi trailer. Then you usually get three to four major uh, theatrical trailers before you start getting into the TV spots. And as long as your your post-production is done before you get into the TV spots, which usually starts happening about two months before release, um, then I think you're in a pretty good good, uh, time frame. Yeah, indeed. Uh, let's get to Battlefront stuff. I just have a couple really quick things to throw out here. Um, the main thing was that it's topped YouTube's rankings of E3's most viewed games. So it's way really? up there, which is exciting because, I mean, that, that 
trailer is ridiculous. We actually should have watched it tonight, which we didn't, because um, I don't know if you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, it was but a really good trailer. It was a great trailer. Um, it also, there was some controversy about, I guess, Ray's lightsaber in trying to give some spoiler for episode eight or something like that. But the bottom line, it, uh, the developers came out and said it was a bug, whether that's true or not. It is what it is. I don't want to dive into too, too many conspiracies, really. Um, but I have a link in the show notes if you want to dive into that a little bit more. But the main thing I want to put put out there, though, is um, uh, I think her name is Janina uh, Gavon, Gavonker. Uh, she is gorgeous, as I've said before. Um, she was interviewed on the Star Wars show. Um, and thanks to Devin for this link. I watched it earlier today. It's a great little six and a half minute interview. Um, she, she tears up a couple times. Um, she's obviously very excited to be part of the Star Wars universe, but at the same time, um, she's in man. Um, and, and it's, you can tell that she takes it very seriously and you can tell that she put her all into this and it makes me want to play the, the, the single player, Battlefront 2 um, campaign uh, because of her uh, not only her presentation in E3 but after this interview um, it, it's just it's a really nice look at people who care and want to put something into it and and it's more than just hey I'm going to take this voice actor role it's kind of like talking to Derek DePaul kind of you know what I mean yeah absolutely so definitely check that out if you haven't seen it uh, also like I said um She's a good actress and very pretty. Have I said that yet? <laughs> uh, you know, is she, is she attractive, Marshall? She's all right. I mean, you know, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, man. So real quick, Parks News before we get into our pop culture stuff, man. Uh, Star Trek roller coaster opens in Germany. I just put the, the link in here because a Star Trek roller coaster, that's badass. And uh, it looks crazy. And I don't I don't want to deal with that. I don't, I don't want to do that. Is it the real Star Trek experience where it sucks every other time you go on the ride? <laughs> I hope so. I really do. Um, <laughs> so also, and and the main reason I wanted to actually have a park section this week was um, when I, like I said, I've been going to Disneyland every year since I was four months old. I've said a lot of times um, when I was a kid, when I was tall enough to go on on um, Space Mountain, uh, my mom's like, "Oh, put your arms up," and you know, it's dark. And it's like my arm's gonna get cut off. Cut off. I saw all of those, uh, you know, beams in there. Like I, I know I'm gonna die if I go in here, right? But there's, uh, so there's a link in here that says how Disney makes sure you don't leave limbs on rides, which I think is important. Um, and just the <laughs> apparatus that they put through the ride uh, is really darn cool. So uh, they they have taken that into account. So you can put your rat your hands up uh, safely on on roller coasters um yes there is still no accounting for stupid though and there's well no you can't get out of the seat and do it (laughs) uh, there is a great duology of books um that actually my brother who's now in chat hey steve um, Steve? uh, turned me on to and they're called mouse tales and behind the ears look at uh, disneyland i've read some of it it, it, yeah it actually talks about um yeah you actually have it on your bookshelf if you feel like yep down um they um they actually talk about where people have died and accidents that have happened and um, stuff like that. So it, if you really want to learn about the, like the, the behind the really the behind the ear stuff, check out those books. They're fantastic. Yeah. I almost knocked down all my pops doing it, but yeah, I have this one and the other one I borrowed from a friend. Um, they're really cool stories. I like it a lot. 
yeah, there's, I mean, because it talks about how certain rides of like, uh, you know, Shetanio, there's stories about um, why the the cap guns on uh, on Jungle Cruiser connected to the boats and and um, you know when the Yippies took over Tom Sawyer Island in the 60s. Oh, I love that and, story. I love that story. Yeah, lots of good stories. And you know, I actually I'm not sure if I I told you uh, about this, but the guy who you know shot off the cap gun and, and threw the gun in the water and then went over and stabbed the hippo. <laughs> um, yeah, he actually uh, um, applied for a job to work for me at, in L.A. when I was down there. Are you serious? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, anything else Star Wars wise that we have forgotten that we want to before we get to our last section? No, I don't believe so. I think it's time for the usual roundup. All right, bumper time. I can't imagine any kind of future where I am a hero. Well, you're not. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. All right, man. I'm gonna let you take the uh, the top of the thing here. Yeah, you know, it's sad that we we have to kind of almost do this every week, but I mean, as it shows with um, Hollow Babylon, it can it's almost a weekly thing where where people that are instrumental in our childhoods and in our adulthoods and our pop culture history are passing on. Um, and the first one I want to talk about is a, a guy passed on uh, this last week named Fred J. Conencamp. And he's one of those people behind the scenes you never really hear about. I mean, it's very rarely you you hear about somebody being a famous cinematographer. Um, but this guy did The Towering Inferno. So, I mean, it doesn't get much more exciting mm. than that than the, than the disaster flicks of the 70s. And, and he had a big part in that. He came from a lineage. His dad was a Hollywood cinematographer um, back in the day. So, you know, it's sad to see him go. Uh-huh. The, the, the big one for me was uh, John G. Avildsen uh, died this week. And um, he hasn't done any, anything really in a long time that I can think of, but he won an Oscar for directing Rocky. And that is oh, arguably wow. one of the five greatest sports movies of all time. I mean, uh, you know, I put it right up there with Rudy and Hoosiers and um, Caddyshack and, and, you know, maybe Bull Durham is right there too. They're just, but it's so brilliant the way that he directed it. And it just set the tone. Um, for the, and it was definitely part of that whole gritty realism that you got in the late seventies with the rise of, um, you know, Scorsese and Coppola and Pacino and De Niro and, and, oh, man. and, and, and it was all part of that vibe and, and, uh, and, you know, <clears throat> um, and it was right around that time of when Star Wars came out. So it was, you know, it's all part of our childhoods. Yeah, man. And. You know, you missed last week, but we talked about Adam West, obviously. Um, and I, I, I shared a couple stories about why that hit me hard. And I think it did. And I, I was texting you back, back and forth a little bit about that. But I mean, um, it, it's, it's getting to the point now where we're going to have to say goodbye to some people that really made a difference and, and really make it to where we're sitting right now. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I don't know if you guys talked about it last week, and I don't think we talked about it the week before, but the same week that, that uh, Adam West died, we lost Glenn Headley um, in her early 60s. And, right. Um, she played Tess Trueheart and Dick Tracy, and she played uh, um, Richard Drives' wife in uh, Mr. Holland's Opus, and, you know, it's just these, these wonderful actors that we're just losing. It's sad. Exactly. All right, man, so shall we get to some TV stuff? 
Absolutely. Let's get on to some happy stuff. All right, so we're in real reviews and some TV stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. I haven't watched it yet, but um, in that's why I wanted to mention Adam West there. Uh, they released – there were, what, three episodes of Powerless that were not released and um, right. and the cancellation of the show. And one of them was featuring Adam West, and they did release that. And I have a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. I haven't watched it yet, but I can't wait. Yeah, that's awesome because it. I honestly, I hate when they leave shows in the can like that. Anyways, especially in this day and age of streaming uh, services, just throw it up. I mean, even if you don't want to like distribute it through like Netflix or anything, NBC owns the rights, so just throw it up on NBC.com. Uh, you know, you'll get your 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 uh, you know ad revenue from it and everything, but you know, don't leave people hanging because like so. There's a show from. Um, the 2000s called um, The Lion's Den, which was one of those first like um, serial things where over the course of the year you found out who killed somebody and it had Rob Lowe and they, they didn't air like the last five episodes and you can't find them anywhere online. And it's like, you know, dude, just put them out there. Yeah, might as well. Someone is going to watch it, you know. Um, exactly. And speaking of Adam West, Family Guy also did a tribute to him uh, this week as well. Um, and you know, we lost somebody that was truly special. And, and if you want to hear, I don't want to get back into it, but if you want to hear my thoughts on Adam West, um, go back to episode 102 for sure. Um, so also go back to last week's Hollywood Babylon, you know, Ralph Garman speaking eloquently about him. Yeah. And I have a link in the show notes to episode 102 to that episode. So a link within a link. It's like link inception. <laughs> See what I did there? Okay. Moving on. Um, so a new, uh, supernatural spinoff series is on the way. Uh, I'm not a supernatural fan, are you? Um, I'm not, but actually, uh, one of the reasons why I missed last week's show is because I came down here in time to see my sister, who actually lives up in Seattle, but she was down here visiting my mom. So I got to see her for a whole, I don't know, about 12 hours. And, um, she's a huge supernatural fan. And she's looking forward to, to the next season coming out. So she'll be delighted to hear this news. Yeah, I don't know much about it. Um, we have a link in the show notes for it. But um, like I said, I tried to watch Supernatural a couple times. It's difficult. <laughs> and there's so it's like, what, 14 seasons now? So uh, I'm just going to let it go, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've watched bits and pieces with, like, well, like I said, with my sister. But it's um, it's definitely kind of an acquired taste. But it's definitely CW material. No, definitely. Um, so uh, speaking of... Well, not really speaking of, uh, but there's going to be nine Star Trek movies are coming to Amazon Prime, okay? Um, which I think is kind of cool. It's basically Star Trek the motion picture through uh, Insurrection. So that's kind of it's kind of badass, actually. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. I mean, I was never a huge fan of the original ones. I mean, this because it wasn't my style. I was definitely more Star Wars than Star Trek. Um, I did like the Voyage Home just because they, you know, came out when I was like nine, and and it was just like at that age. But I, I really dug Generations and First Contact. I, I really like. Yeah, same here. Uh, I I love Next Generation. That's my star. That's my Star Trek. Um, I I will still put on a random episode here and there. I just I absolutely love it. Um, I like Deep Space Nine as well as I've said before. Um, I'm looking forward to Discovery and seeing how that goes. Um. But speaking of things we love that aren't around anymore, ah, man, segue, uh, Firefly, okay, Nathan Fillion, who we've seen how many times in Comic-Con? <laughs> uh, every year. Yeah, he's kind of that guy that's kind of always there. Um, 
him and Alan Tudyk and um, Marina Basarin, I think is the last name, right? How do you say it? Marina Basarin. Yeah, right. uh, uh, they took a picture together on uh, Nathan Fillion's Instagram. And people are like, well, what are you talking about? What were you talking about? And then he's like, what do you think we were talking about? And so he's kind of hinting at, again, they're trying to bring back Firefly. And oh, this would be an interesting time to do it. But obviously we lost Ron Glass. Um, but at the same time, I mean, how cool would it be to bring it back in a miniseries or something in the age of reboots? I mean, this is the best time to do it, man, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and it was a it had a, a short lived run as it was, but I mean, heck, they brought back Twin Peaks and X Files. Why not bring back Firefly? Agreed. And Firefly, I feel like has a has a just such a huge following, but maybe it's just because I I wanted to come back to. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's as big a following as, as X Files, but it's more definitely more vocal than Twin Peaks. Good point. All right, movies. Uh, Transformers. You saw the movie. How was it? I did. I actually went and saw it this morning. Um, and it's definitely another Transformers movie. <laughs> cool. I, I, I kind of thought that's what you would say. Um, Michael Bay says that's going to be his last um, movie or last Transformers movie. How long was it? Because the runtime was confirmed recently. Um, was, and what, three hours? Two and a half hours. Oh, yeah, it was God. two and a half hours plus Come trailers. On. Like two hours and thirty six minutes or something. It's long. Um, it was it, it was long, but actually, you know, it's funny. It didn't feel that long. Oh, that's um, good. The uh, overall, the story was. I, I thought the story was fine. They really brought in the whole concept of King Arthur. Okay. Right. Which, Which actually has me kind of intrigued because I love King Arthur. Yeah, the overall story was cool, and and um, it's. The way they kind of did it is you can it's kind of wrapping up a certain thing, but it's definitely a launching point for something bigger because, um, you know, they're coming out with many more movies. Um, so it was all right in that respect. I thought there was a, a whole bunch of superfluous characters. Oh, perfect. That they could have easily not included and cut the runtime by maybe 20 minutes and not have hurt the story at all. And I think that was just bad script work. Um, right. So so I think there's that. Um but you know it's it's uh, Mark Wahlberg helping Transformers, so you know <laughs> it's, it's all good. I like that. Um, yeah, man, I'm I haven't watched the last couple of them. Um, I was actually intrigued by this one because of the King Arthur angle, but you know it is what it is. Mark Wahlberg doesn't think uh, Michael Bay is 100 percent set on being done either. Um, there's an article in here about that. It's one of those fluff I don't pieces, think but. Bay is- yeah, I don't think Michael Bay is 100% set on anything. Well, and I think that's important. I, <laughs> I think that's why we have, what, almost, we're going to have 10 Transformer movies when it's all said and done, right? Yeah, and three Bad Boys, and it's like... Don't you dare really say anything bad about Bad Boys, dude. I love no, me I some like Bad Boys. boys. And, no, it's just... It's, face it's Off? Really and uh, Face Off was John Woo. Oh, right. I keep getting that confused. You do. Um, one thing I, I, and I've referenced this a few times. I haven't actually referenced it in a long time, but there's that epic rap battles of histories episode where it's all the directors fighting. Right. And Michael Bay comes in at the end and talking about how it's all about the money and how he brings in the dollars. And, you know, it's just, it's, he's totally uh, embraced what he is in the filmdom. Uh, oh no, that's, that's, that's it. He's done it. He has done Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> 
All right, man. And don't, um, and don't forget, good. Spielberg is his enabler because Spielberg produces all this stuff. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Uh, I'm going to skip this next one because we already talked about the Dark Tower in our patron exclusive in the beginning. But uh, that's a good opportunity uh, for patrons, though. Um, You know, we do trailers in the beginning of the show. And if you're interested in that, uh, buck or two an episode, patreon.com slash usual podcast. Boom. Let's move on. Jurassic 2. Jurassic World 2. You put this in. Yeah, I know. I was just leaving some dead air for a minute. Okay, so Jurassic World 2 has its official title. And I don't know if you're excited about Jurassic World 2. I'm actually more excited than I thought I'd be because I really enjoyed Jurassic World. <laughs> I did. I really did enjoy the first Jurassic World and anything Chris Pratt is in I like. Uh, agreed. Uh, the title is going to be, drumroll please. I'm just kidding. Is it on oh, it's, the sorry. It's Fallen Kingdom. Sorry. Fallen Kingdom. Oh, that's an interesting title. I like that. Yeah, I thought they were, they put in quotes, so I thought they were like, messing with me it was on nerdist so it wasn't a uh you know comicbook.com ruse but yeah it's gonna be called fallen kingdom so we'll see should be interesting yeah and yeah and uh speaking of titles good or bad um of course tom cruise is on the the junket circuit uh, promoting uh the mummy which actually even though it's getting really really bad reviews and it's really low on rotten tomatoes i actually enjoyed it Um, is the uh i'm hoping they make a little more money they're not doing very well money-wise it's going to make most of its money, I think, internationally, if it is. Um, but it's one of those things where they put so much money into it that they're going to have to continue with their their uh, their vision for the Dark Universe. Um, but one of my favorite parts about it was that Russell Crowe's character is actually uh, Dr. Jekyll, um, which I loved. And that oh, was, that's that was awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited about this dark universe kind of, and I didn't see the mummy, but um, from what I hear about what they have planned going forward, I think it's going to be kind of badass. So I don't want them. I'm hoping that the poor performance of the mummy doesn't deter them from continuing forward because you know, uh, give it a give it at least two more movies, right? Yeah, I mean, and this is what's going on with the the whole ex- extenuation of the. Uh extending of universes. I mean, you gotta remember, I mean, every movie will have, I mean, every saga will have its too fast, too furious or Tokyo drift or whatever. You know what I mean? We all have our Tokyo uh, drifts, but yeah, talking about what's going to be coming forward in the dark universe is, uh, it's supposedly Johnny Depp is lined up to play the invisible man. Um, stuff like that. So that should be fantastic. Yeah. That's already locked in. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing this full circle is one of the things that Cruz dropped, um, in one of his interviews, is that they have a decided on a name for the Top Gun sequel, and it's going to be called Top Gun Maverick. Oh, nifty! Isn't wait, which one died? Goose. Oh, right. Okay, so we're That's, good. Uh, Anthony Edwards' <laughs> character. Uh, yeah. So, do we need another Top Gun movie? Um, I I I'm okay with it. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I'm, I'm okay with it. All right, cool. Uh, let's talk more about it when it gets closer, because um, I have feelings about it. But I have feelings Dude, about stuff. Such strong feelings. I know. Yeah, look at me. Look at me, my feelings. All right, so shall we? Let's get to our universal usual stuff, man. Uh, the only Berlanti news I have is that they're speaking of, I mean, with all the drama with Star Wars, um, this isn't as much drama, but Supergirl Season 3 has new showrunners. Do you know anything about this? Um, I don't, but it's not, I mean, changing showrunners can definitely be a major impact. Um, actually just coincidentally, I was talking with somebody about 
the show from, uh, like, I don't know, 10 years ago almost with Gina Davis called Commander in Chief, where she yeah. plays the, the, the president. Um, the first half of the season, because it only ran for one season, and the first half of the season was fantastic, and she actually won, a, I want to say, a Golden Globe for, for her role. Um, but then they changed showrunners, and they got rid of the creator, and it just fell apart after that. Interesting. Um, on the other hand, you can have a change in showrunners, and it, it's fine. I mean, like, we, we already talked about how we lost one of the showrunners for The Flash coming into this coming season. Um, it happens. And it, I think it's when you are dealing with a pool of talent uh, like you do with the, the Berlanti-verse. I mean, you have uh, Berlanti, but you've also got uh, Mark Guggenheim. You've got, um, I'm drawing a blank on the guy that brought... Uh, Kevin Smith into it. Um, oh, I know you're talking about. I don't know his name either, but I'm yeah, with you. But, but yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, they have such a good pool, and they, they have a very deep bench that it's really not a big deal when a showrunner uh, changes something like that. It's not like if somebody came in with a very singular vision. Um, it'd, be so, like if somebody else was, it'd be like if somebody besides David Lynch was doing Twin Peaks. This yeah. is not that. No, it's not. It says uh, Deadline is reporting that Jessica Queller from Gilmore Girls and Gossip Girl and Robert uh, Rovner from Dallas and Private Practice have been promoted to co-showrunners on the DC Comic-inspired series. Both joined the series early on in the first season, serving as producer roles, with Rovner bumped up uh, to the role of executive producer at the beginning of season two. It appears that this move is due to the departure of Ali Adler. Um, who served as co-creator and co-showrunner on the series for its first two seasons. Um, Adler has signed a deal with CBS TV Studios, but will still be involved on Supergirl as an executive consultant. So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and uh, um, you got to remember, it's, uh, Supergirl started over at CBS, so she has roots over there already. And um, But of course you have you know, Andrew Kreisberg um, also and Berlanti. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's going to be fine. It's just a little promotion, switching it up and stuff, you know. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to DCEU. All right, man. Um, oh, so what we have here, we have Joss Whedon, already a major part of the DCEU. Uh, this is kind of a continuation of what we talked about uh, last week. Um, and what's kind of cool is that they've been talking to him for a little while. Obviously, he's already helped in Justice League. He's doing Batgirl. There's, uh, this is kind of linked to a variety deal, that um, uh, a conversation about how he got into it. Um, he's like, oh, you're going to do Batgirl? Oh, that's my jam. Oh, okay. Go ahead and do it kind of thing, you know? So he's, exactly. he's, he's we, in, dude. He's in. Yeah, Whedon writes such good, strong female characters. It's fantastic. Yeah, so um, I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm I'm stoked about Batgirl. I'm very curious to see how dark it is, and I've been thinking about that a lot lately, which is weird. Is that weird? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, no, I. It's not going to be uber dark because it's Whedon, but it's going to be like, I'll call it like fluffy dark, like Buffy was. And okay, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, but, I think this next thing in here is you, yeah. Yeah. Um. The you know DC doesn't just have their EU; they've also got their their animated originals, um, which is going to be like the Killing Joke and and Wonder Woman. You know they've done all these things for years, um, and they've theatrically they've started to theatrically release them through Phantom uh, uh, events, and um, we got that with the Killing Joke, and then we got that with the Return of the Cape Crusader, 
and it turns out they're going to be releasing Batman and Harlequin to a theatrical release one day only for August 14th. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I, wish, I wish my theater would get it. Uh, let me know if you see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, 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 the link to uh, all the theaters is in the show notes. Um, I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm definitely going to see if it's going to be playing here. Nice. Uh, let's talk about the awesome that is Wonder Woman, dude. You missed our review, quote unquote, last week. Um, we talked about it, uh, for quite a while. Um, and there's Oprah throws a epic Wonder Woman party for kids. We've got, um, obviously Jeff Johns is co-writing Wonder Woman 2. Uh, the Wonder Woman 2 treatment with Patty Jenkins, which is something that's happening right now. Um, how do you feel about Wonder Woman as a whole? And they haven't signed Patty Jenkins technically yet. But I think she's still holding out a little bit. Um, but she's obviously working on the uh, the sequel. So what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, she's just in negotiations. They're going to bring her in unless something wholly un- uh, unbelievable happens. Um, but I loved Wonder Woman. I thought it was fantastic. There's a couple things that I could do without. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I think it was the strongest thing that, that DC has done. And uh, if... If Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, and uh, and Joss Whedon can all work together, um, I think it's it bodes well for what's going to happen in the future for DC. Yeah, I agree, man. And and if you want to hear my thoughts uh, and more spoilerific thoughts on Wonder Woman, check out episode one hundred and two. I talked to Mox and JT about it. Um, but on Wonder Woman news, it's um, it hits five hundred million globally, which is huge. Yeah, it just passed up um, Van of Steel uh, this week. Awesome. And it's on track to become the highest grossing um, movie uh, directed by a woman, which is awesome. Yeah, which I believe right now is the, the first Twilight movie, right? That's my guess. I I don't know what else it could be, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, Catherine Bigelow has done some great stuff. She did The Hurt Locker and, and a few other things. But nothing really uh, ultimately high-grossing. Yeah, but um, blockbusters are the ones that get all the money, you know? Yeah, well, and Thor 2 was directed by a woman, uh, Jane. Oh, Rose that's one. true. That's right. You're yeah. right. It was. So that was a big one. But, um, yeah, I, I believe it was the, the first um, the first Twilight movie, which is what it was. Yeah, man. So um, I'm, I cannot wait. I, I loved Wonder Woman um, on a lot of different levels. Like I said, check out the last episode if you want to hear my thoughts. But um, overall, uh, I'm glad it's doing as well as it's doing. And I'm glad they're already thinking about the future. And we're going to get more of this, which is what we need, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's get to some Fox news, man. Um, we have a, some casting news for Deadpool 2. And I don't know this actress, to be honest with you. Um, but apparently she's in a major role. She... Shioli, uh, Katsuna. Katsuna. Um, what else was she in? I'm gonna, I'm gonna open this up. Uh, you know, honestly, I really don't know, but I'll look it up one second. She was, if you're not familiar, she know actually been praised for her work in recent indie films, mostly indie films. Uh, Japanese Australian actress, Japanese Australian, interesting. Starred in Oh Lucy, Outsider. Yeah, nothing that I'm familiar with. Um, but yeah, she yeah, mostly mostly Asian films. Yeah, indie Asian films and and but she's uh definitely taking a major role, which I think is important. Uh do you think major role means love interest? Um 
You know, I really don't. I mean, you're you're one that can talk to that better about um, Deadpool's uh, love backstory. I really don't know any about that. Well, the, what I'm thinking of right now is that in the comics, most of the comics I've read, his wife or major love interest is like an undead goddess of sorts, you know, which is hilarious, which I think that would be pretty cool if it was. Um, but there's also another uh, story in here. Deadpool 2 is filming at the X-Mansion, um, which means there might be some other X-Men. So maybe there's a prominent um, uh, mutant, maybe like uh, Negasonic, uh, maybe kind of thing. Um, well, we've, it's already been confirmed that she's going to be in it. Um, I think what this is more talking about is that it's definitely setting off the the uh, the jump off for the third Deadpool, which is going to be X Force. Okay. Um, so you you definitely have to start setting that up now, um, and you have to bring more X Men to get involved in that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I'm excited about Deadpool too. I'm like I said, I don't um, I don't have any idea who she could be outside of. It'd be pretty cool if she was. Um, and the name flew out of my head, but the uh, underworld uh, monster chick he ends up marrying in some of the comics i think it'd be great <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome uh we also have some x-men dark phoenix news um a lot of the cast is Ooh, coming back and um the director is back uh let me open this up i'm actually getting much more excited for this because um i love the whole concept of the dark phoenix and i the dark phoenix saga on itself is a very specific story having to do with gene gray but the the phoenix itself is really interesting because it touches Captain Marvel. It touches um, Rogue. It, it touches a whole bunch of different people throughout the universe of Marvel. So it's it's going to be really interesting how Fox deals with it and how it's going to be brought in again at all Captain Marvel with how Marvel's going to deal with it. Right. So Simon Kinberg is going to direct X-Men Dark, Fe- Dark Phoenix. Um, and he's you know been a writer and produced a bunch of other ones um also confirmed the stars of x-men apocalypse will return um jennifer lawrence fastbender uh let's see james mcavoy yeah pretty much everybody's coming back nicholas holt who played hank um alexandra ship uh sophie turner uh ty sheridan uh who played cyclops yeah man it's all Everybody's coming back. Kurt Wagner is back too, as well as Nightcrawler. So here we are. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this because they can't screw it up as much as they did in uh, in X Men Three. Indeed. All right, man. So let's get to some oops, some Marvel stuff. So we have. Oh, that's right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to gloss over this because I thought this was kind of funny, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but. Um, there's a story in here about how Kevin Feige convinced Sony to uh, lend him Spider-Man. And really what it came down to was like, it's going to be awesome. Don't you want to let us have Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds very much like Kevin Feige. Did you happen to see the the interview um, with him? And I think it's Allison Atwood, who's the person who's ahead of, of um, Sony's uh, stuff. And she dropped the bomb that Spider-Man could be involved in the Veniverse. And you just see the look. On Kevin Feige's face is classic. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, he's, all right, like, so, what the, he's like, what the fuck? What <laughs> he's happened? like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> the only reason I'm glossing over this right now is because I really want to get to these last couple of things before we get to before we get out of here. Uh, the Defenders. Um, if you 
if you go onto Twitter and you put hashtag defend, um, you get some really cool gifts of um, all four defenders. And then there's one of, of all four of them together. Um, they all have individual Twitter accounts. Um, it's, it's really something else. I was trying to figure out how to embed the, the gifts into our feed so people could watch it as we did. Uh, but there's some really cool stuff out there. Um, but definitely, definitely check that out. Um, I don't know how Pinterest does that, but, uh, definitely check that out. Will and, and do something with it. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely get that. I think care. So you got Punisher. Yeah. Um, so we already talked about a few weeks ago when, when Punisher was wrapping up its principal photography, um, that it was reportedly going to get released in November, um, right on the heels of the Defenders. Um, but it looks like we got a, a pretty solid release date from somebody close to um, Netflix. Not the production, but actually Netflix side. And uh, it looks like we're going to get a date of, of November 14th, which is really interesting because it's actually a Tuesday, which is not which Good. is not normal, except for that they started uh, the the uh, the fifth season of House of Cards started get, got released in in um on a tuesday and the second season of stranger things is scheduled for a tuesday oh okay it could, be, it could just be an anomaly with these three titles or it could be a shift of them uh shifting to fr- to having tuesday releases well tuesdays are when uh dvds are released correct yeah dvds and music uh, already come out on wednesdays you tend to get movies and theaters released on wednesdays and fridays um with very rare exceptions like christmas day or memorial day um, the streaming services purview is usually the weekends. Um, but we'll, we'll see how, how it goes with this. Cool. All right, man. One, one thing I want to throw out, uh, for a smod before we get to conventions is, uh, Kevin Smith, uh, <laughs> and this is a, a couple weeks old now, but I wanted to share this with you. There's a cool picture of, uh, in, I think it's Sarasota, some, either online or hard copy newspaper took a picture. Yeah. It's the online Sarasota uh, newspaper. Okay, good. Uh, So Kevin Smith was seen filming his latest horror movie, which we know is the third in the Canuck trilogy, correct? No, actually it's not the one he's. Oh, it's not. (laughs) It couldn't, it couldn't be because it's Moose Jaws. What is it? Exactly. It's not Moose Jaws. This is actually a movie called Killjoy was here. Um, which is, what the hell is he filming? Okay, this is interesting. Um, there's a local college in the Sarasota area, which is definitely getting a reputation, very much how University of Texas Austin's program is, um, for filmmakers, right? Um, right. University of Texas Austin uh, has a huge uh, um, history of uh, Richard Linklater and Robert Rodriguez and Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger all coming through that program. Um, this is a smaller school in the Sarasota area, and what they do is they bring established filmmakers back um, and they help film a, a film with the graduating class. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. It helps getting the graduating students to have an IMDb credit, learn how to work on a real movie set, all that fun stuff. Well, see, so it's, it's, it's really a quick shoot, but the cool thing is he's doing this with um, uh, McElfresh. Yeah. I was confused because um, I was like, he's not already shooting that. I, I didn't think he was already shooting it, so this makes more sense. And I'm glad and, and, uh, Andy McElfresh is uh, is involved because I I love that guy; he's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Their 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 podcast is amazing, and yeah, this is just a, a side project that he's knocking out to help these students, and uh, it really doesn't have anything to do with 
um, with the the Canuck trilogy or uh, anything else he's working on. Cool. All right, man. Let's get to our last section, which is conventions. And uh, let's start with D23. Did you see this link? This is insane. Uh, so Disney is going to release a bunch of new Star Wars collectibles at D23. Yeah, it should be incredible. Um, yeah, just I, there's so much cool stuff coming out for I mean, that's one of the great things about con season. It makes you wish you had a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, I'm not going to run through all of these, but there is some really badass stuff uh, through here. So definitely check out the links in the show notes. And um, yeah, I'm going to go through all these links and get pictures of everything posted to Pinterest this week. Yeah, sounds good, man. And so um, I've split up because we're so close to uh, San Diego Comic-Con now. And thanks. Um, I can't believe I'm so stoked. Uh, we're this close and you know, yeah, there's some people in yesterday. Yeah. And there's some people in the chat room who are, are planning to be at our meetup and um, I've got some cool stuff planned for that. Uh, I'm working on some giveaways and stuff. So definitely check that out. We're going to do our um, second annual pucked cantina, passionate, usual, curly and trap cantina. And um, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff um, for everybody who attends, but Either way, it's going to be a lot of fun, but I've split up our our news in this section just uh, for folks who have either kind of have been going, haven't gone, or have don't have badges and stuff like that. So what I did was I okay. put new, what I put is news and helpful links and then offsites and then exclusives. Very cool. Really quick before you get into this, I want to touch on the Puck Cantina event. Yes, um, please. We've talked about a, a t-shirt uh, contest we're running. Um, I had originally set a deadline of July 1st, and that still seems to be pretty good. Pay really close attention to the usual podcast social media over the next couple of days, and you're going to get a lot more um, solidified details and uh, contest entry rules and deadlines and, and what's going to happen with the shirt afterwards. Awesome. Sweet. All right. So we have political stuff. Uh, San, Diego, uh, San Diego Council rejects November a special election on uh, convention uh, center expansion. And this has to do with all the things we've been talking about, right? Yeah, this uh, this uh, political stuff has been going on for well over a year and a half now. Yeah, and, and really what it comes down to is they're trying to negotiate how long STCC is going to be down there, um, and they're not going to expand the convention if they haven't solidified that other stuff is, what, is really what it is. Yeah. And I believe that the, their contract is is uh, to expire next year because I think it was uh, expiring in 2016. They signed a two year extension, so I really don't know. It, it's really going to come down to the next year what's going to happen. Yeah. So, but in the interim, uh, we have some actual upgrades to the convention center. Awesome. There's a really cool link in the show notes to this actually, but I'm looking at at looking at it right now. They replaced the floor in the sales pavilion, which is up where a lot of the autographs happen um, and a lot of the line waiting happens, which is important. Um, so that's pretty cool. There's also a cooling tower replacement for the chiller tie-in, which I don't even know what that is, um, but it, I'm guessing it has to do with cooling. Um, Hall H chairs have gotten upgrade as well. Uh, they're Woo-hoo! super, they're super comfortable. So those people who spend 12 hours there, uh, restrooms, uh, have had an upgrade for sure, uh, which is actually really important. We spent a lot of time in the restrooms actually at the convention center. Um, and the picture looks really good. I'm excited about that. And there's some lighting, ceiling tile changes, escalator, uh, 
elevator modernization, and then there's some other projects coming up. Uh, who knows uh, how long some of this stuff's going to take to happen, but I'm hoping there's no zero construction when the convention's actually going. Yeah, that would be a major pain in the ass. I mean, can you imagine if, say, the, the bridge going across was done or one of the intersect or one of the crosswalks was closed off? It would be a <laughs> right. bummer. Yeah, it'd be insane. Um, all right. And I have uh, several links in here to help people out. Um, there's a part of um, the, what do you call it? Um, SCCC undercover, under unofficial blog. They do an on site visual guide, which is really cool that helps with exclusives, lines, and stuff like that. There's also another one for hunting freebies and swag, which is cool. And these are videos, and there's links in the show notes to that, which is really cool if you're planning on going. Awesome. I'm definitely going to be checking those out. They're really cool, and, and the on-site visual guide is one of my favorites. They still don't know about some of our secrets, which is pretty cool, dude. Um, but um, but hunting freebies and stuff like that, I think all that stuff is... is people want free stuff, which is cool. Um, there's also... There's also a giveaway, and the only reason I put this in here was because um, they're doing the music of John Williams and uh, Raiders and Superman and and all that. Uh, so there's some tickets to win for that, um, and and that's the San Diego Symphony, which is cool. That's awesome. I would love it if John Williams were actually there, because um, he's actually number two on my list of people I've never seen perform that I want to see perform. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Number one being Garth Brooks, and that's actually going to get taken care of this summer because he's performing at the California Mid-State Fair. Oh, and, nice. The old Mid-State Fair. And, uh, yeah, so the week after Comic-Con, I'm going to be seeing Garth Brooks with my family. Tickets go on sale tomorrow morning. Oh, that's awesome, dude. I'm glad you're doing that. Uh, so speaking of tickets going on sale or not on sale, Conan Tickets are going to be available soon-ish. Um, and really what that comes down to is uh, you put your name in a lottery and you either get in or you don't. But if you get in, they give you a cool Funko Pop. And there's some other ways to get that. Um, so there's a link in the show notes for that. And the big news really is the exhibitor list um, has been set now for San Diego Comic-Con 2017. And the only major difference is that Netflix has a booth. Awesome. I mean, it's about time because they're, they're becoming such a force in in pop culture. It, it's about time they came. Yeah, and I think they're taking the place. I listened to a podcast. I think they're taking the place of maybe Adult Swim or something else. Um, but what it comes down to is maybe they're going to have their own panels, which would be cool, or their own signings, which would be cool, too. So um, it might be cool to get in there and get some. I don't know how separate they're going to be from, you know, the um, – Marvel Netflix stuff or what's going to be happening, but it should be cool either way. But no, I mean, so. can you imagine if they did like a Stranger Things signing? Come on. Yeah, and that's that's the speculation right now is that that's where you're going to get your Stranger Things signing. So that would be pretty darn cool. All right, man. So offsites. Um, the major news for offsites is Conoval. Uh, it's just a tweet. There's no specifics yet, but Conoval is going to be returning. We don't know when. You know, where, I guess, is what it is. We know when. We don't know where. Uh, but they're going to have their on-off site again. So that's good. Yeah, and this is, this is coming from, from Hardwick. So it's the nerdist, uh, um, the nerdist side of things. We don't really know what Geek and Sundry or Smart Girl's involvement is going to be yet. Um, also, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, Hardwick is doing his own little like, mini Comic-Con um, this weekend up in uh, the Bay Area. And it's called the ID10 uh, Con. It was named after his ID ten, his ID ten T, right, which is his last tour. Which, if you look at ID ten T, spells out idiot. 
Uh, right. But they have panels in their own convention and everything, and they're doing their own con of all there as well. Um, so it's something that they're trying to do across multiple cons, and uh, I really hope they, they continue because it is a fun time. Totally. Um, there's also something called um, Amazon Activation that's happening. Amazon's going to be back with an offsite as well, and that's going to be at the um, MLK Promenade Park, and that's Wednesday through Sunday from 8 to 6. Um, we have no idea what's going to be there, but that's that's it. Cool. I mean, again, with the streaming services, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't been involved uh, earlier. Uh, indeed. And also, there's going to be, uh, you know how there's always something going on in a boat? Yes. <laughs> well, this year, uh, Get Wrecked with TBS Pop-Up Island Tour uh, is going to be on a boat <laughs> this year. Yeah, uh, yeah Wrecked is uh, starting its second season on TBS uh, this month, I believe. So, yeah, it's just it's supporting that show. Yeah, there's some cool there's some cool pictures here in, in, in the link in the show notes too. So definitely check that out. And let's see what else we have here. Oh, Japanese Japanese uh Friendship Gardens pop up culture party. And that is gonna be basically what we were talking about uh before. Uh Yokai Omisuri uh universe kind of thing. Uh it looks like a meetup of sorts, which is gonna be pretty cool as well. Awesome. Cool. So and, and, exclusives. Yeah, and just to clarify, man, the main reason I'm going through more con stuff is because we're closer, but also a lot of people that listen to this show, well, some of the people that listen to this show are going to be meeting up with us, and I want them to know what's going on, too. So we're going to spend a couple extra minutes in the next few episodes uh, covering uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So here we are. Yep, because it's a good time. Yep. And so merch. Uh, oh, man, this is a good one. Here we go. All right, so official San Diego Comic Con merch is now available. Um, I usually last year was the first year I didn't get an official T-shirt. Um, one of the first, uh, yeah, one of the, basically the first year I didn't get it. But there's a bunch of T-shirts. There's a tote bag. There's hats. There's tiki mugs. There's all kinds of stuff. So um, link in the show notes for that if you're coming. The only issue this year, the major difference is you must have a badge in order to buy them. Ooh, interesting. Which I think is actually good, honestly. <laughs> well, it just means people buy multiple ones and sell them on eBay. Exactly. Um, and then there's uh, a bunch of Funko stuff going on. So Funko exclusive update. There's not going to be a public lottery uh, for preview night, um, which is an issue for some folks. Um, you know, but you'll just have to do Thursday through Saturday. Um, it is what it is. Um, and there's one more thing that comes along with this. The main, the, the coolest thing is I have a link in the show notes of this for all of the stuff that Funko has. We're talking about, uh, Mr. Toad, uh, Moana, Tigger, um, uh, I mean, everything is in here. Harry Potter. Uh, I'm just going through it and just grabbing the tick. There's some DC stuff that's cool. I mean, just about everything under the sun is in here. So you definitely want to check that out. Yeah, I uh, I want to be all over that Mr. Toad one. Yeah, that one looked cool. Uh, and the last thing here, man, is something that we're going to tie in with the end of the show and just kind of what we're doing for Comic-Con. And Factory Entertainment uh, has their exclusives out. And they are going to uh, – well, let's just do it this way. Let's, uh, let's talk about this first. So Factory Entertainment, we're talking about um, – they have a DeLorean, 
There's uh, some plushies for um, Game of Thrones, a Game of Thrones uh, bottle opener. Um, I mean, there's so much stuff. A oh, what is this? What would you they call got it? Stars Lab ID badges. Yeah, the the badges, the Harley Quinn Suicide Squad bat, all of the stuff. Some Deadpool stuff. One of my stuff. favorite things that they're doing is they've got a a metal sign that says Gotham 14 miles from the original Adam West Batman show. Nice. Exactly. I mean, there's so much cool stuff here, but what was really kind of neat is, and I forgot about this element of it because I'm used to it with uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con and we didn't get to go this year, but when you have press, they send you random emails and say, hey, do you want to make an appointment to do a thing? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah. do. <laughs> so we uh, are going to be on, what, Thursday afternoon? Going to check out yeah, Factory Entertainment? At 130. Yeah, so we have an appointment to walk through their booth and check out some exclusives, so we'll report back on all that. And so, uh, again, guys, if there's anything you want us to check out or do while we're in Comic-Con, uh, let us know. And um, we're excited. Can't wait. Yeah, fantastic. I can't wait for this. This is going uh, to be a good con. Indeed it is, my friend. Um, anything else we want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I think we're good. It's, uh, I think it's about time to wrap it up. Chat room, you've been awesome. Uh, it is time to to go so thanks for tuning in to the usual podcast if you have comments or questions you can find us at usualpodcast.com email us at the usual podcast at gmail.com and we're on facebook google plus pinterest instagram twitch and youtube i am at darth pops on twitter and will is at amwell griggs we're on itunes stitch radio and google play so take the time give us positive ratings and all that like us and share us uh, when you see us the best ways to support the show are patreon.com slash usual podcast uh, give us a buck or two an episode, and you can get access to blooper reels, t- uh, trailer time, and any other cool stuff. I send socks to people randomly and stuff, too, so definitely want to uh, check that out. And audibletrial.com slash usual podcast. Uh, we get 15 bucks if you get a free audiobook if you use our link, and that helps us. And I recently started a new Brandon Sanderson series because I'm not behind on books at all. It's called Steelheart, and it is awesome. I'm almost done with it. It's summertime. Awesome. Congrats. So, here we are. Hi, man. Yeah, I want to make sure everybody has fun. Yeah, have a fun. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, chat room. Peace.